welcome to another episode of Chatting with Kathy. I am Kathy Kelly, and my guest today is a friend of mine and fellow AfterBuzz TV host, who you guys know if you watched WWE's Tough Enough this past season. She is a complete badass, and I am so lucky that she's my friend because I might be terrified otherwise that she would beat my ass. Daria Baronado is my guest today. We talk about how she fell in love with MMA at a very young age. She got this opportunity at Tough Enough. We talk about her experience down in Orlando at the Performance Center. And we also touch on the training that she's been doing after Tough Enough. I think that's really cool that she's continued to stick with wrestling even after being eliminated from the show because I don't think that all of the contestants have done that. I think only a handful have continued their training, and she is one of them. I'm excited for you guys to hear this interview because I really do genuinely think there is only more to come from this woman. She's only 22 years old, too. When I was 22 years old, I was just finishing college and trying to find a job and sending out like 70 resumes until I heard back from one place. So I wasn't doing much other than just sitting on my mom's couch. And Daria is, uh, you know, getting in the ring every day. Crazy. Well, you'll hear it firsthand from her. Without further ado, here's my interview with Daria Baronado. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy that you fit this into your schedule because you've been very busy recently with training and I don't even know what else. Well, I mean, I can always fit Kathy Kelly into my schedule <laughs> as well as After Buzz TV, of course. Yeah. So we're going to get into what you're up to now mm-hmm. and everything after Tough Enough, but I want to take it back to the very beginning. Obviously, MMA is not a female-dominated industry, <laughs> but how did young Daria decide that is what you wanted to do when you grew up. Okay, so I was never, like, one to be good in school. Yeah. I could have been good in school, but I was just... I had so much energy. I was basically, like, an ADHD child. Like, I just... <laughs> I had too much energy for my own good. Like, I was the kid that was a senior in high school getting sat in the hallway because I couldn't stop talking. That, you know, that was yeah. me. I was totally a class clown and just... You know, I I just didn't like the structure of school. So college was like, and eh, I don't think so. Um, but I always was like the most motivated person I, you know, that I knew. I always wanted to do big things. I just didn't want to go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a couple different paths. I always played sports, lacrosse, basketball, soccer, um, and MMA. Kind of was just that next step. Like I stopped playing um, high school sports my my junior year just because I got bored of them. I guess. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't in love with any of the sports I played. And then I saw MMA. I saw Gina Carano, who was, like, a pioneer of women's MMA. And I was like, wait a second. Girls can do this and, like, make a career out of it? Yeah. Because Gina was the first one to kind of, you know, be this strong, powerful woman in this male-dominated sport and then go on to movies and modeling and acting and kind of brand herself as this female badass. And I wanted to do that. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, I want to do that. So I started off by applying to American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> And I get to the last stages of the application, and they call me, and they're like, we love you, did it, how old are you? I was like, oh, I'm 17. And they were like, 
you have to be 21. No. And I was like, no, this is so horrible. So I like, should have gotten a fake to do oh, it. Yeah, right? <laughs> Seriously, I, I really thought about like, it. Like, while most 17-year-olds are getting fake IDs to drink illegally, you would get a fake ID to do right. American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, I'm sure I did both. But um, <laughs> no, but anyway, I, sh- I should have used my fake for that. It would have gone to better purposes. Yeah. But So I, I needed to find something. And I was I'm a total extremist. I do things all the way or not at all. And I saw MMA and I was like, this is my sport. This yeah. is what I want to do. And, um, so I went to a local gym and I was like, I want, I want to be an MMA fighter. You know, in 2011, they were like, well, you know, we don't MMA. We have boxing and judo. And I was like, okay, that's basically MMA, right? No one really had established MMA programs yeah. in, in South Jersey, at least. So I started training judo and boxing and competing. Um, I was 16 when I started and I won my first all, it was all boys and me. And my sensei was just like, just just go do it. It was a grappling tournament. Was that intimidating at all, being the only female in the group? No, I think it was intimidating for them. Okay. Because if they got beat by a girl... <laughs> like, we don't want to touch her boobs. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, I saw like, cooties to them, you know? <laughs> and they were they were a little younger. And I think it was more like, if we get beat by a girl right now, this is going to be horrible. Yeah. Whereas me, if I beat a guy, I'm pretty badass. Yeah. So I went and did it. It was at my gym and um, there was seven of us all together in the tournament and I ended up getting first place and I choked uh, one kid out in a standing guillotine, um, the other one in a in a triangle, I think. And uh, yeah, anyway, so I went on to win and I was addicted. I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. This is amazing. Yeah. So then I graduated high school. I was 17 and I said, I'm going to pack up my car and I'm going to move to Florida because Florida is where American Top Team is best MMA camp in the country. So the day of my high school graduation, I graduate and then I get in my car and go to Florida. Literally. What do your parents say to all of this? So my mom was super supportive. Um, I told my dad I was going out there for college. I got into a college in Miami. Shut up. Yeah, you no. lied to your dad? Well, no, I didn't lie. I didn't lie. I did not lie. I went to college for two weeks. <laughs> I did. Um, I went to, I was supposed to go to, um, uh, what's it called? Oh, oh my God, I don't even know what it's called. It's in Miami. Uh, it's like a Clearly small... you didn't learn much there, so <laughs> I didn't end up going there. I didn't end up going there. Okay. It was a smaller college. Yeah. And then um and then I ended up going instead last minute going to um you know, FAU, Florida Atlantic University. They have a, a state college that's connected with them called Palm Beach State. Okay. So I went there for two weeks and so the first day I get to Florida, of course, I go right to American Top Team and I, I go, I wanna sign up, I wanna sign up and they're like, Okay, okay, I, I enroll. You know, like, who's this girl? You yeah. know? And I remember being so nervous because some of the best UFC stars come out of there. Hector Lombard, Robbie Lawler. So I go in there and I start training um, with Steve Bruno. He's the Muay Thai coach. And I start taking jiu-jitsu classes with some of the jiu-jitsu coaches there. And just, you know, I was just one of one of a bunch in yeah. classes. N- nothing nothing crazy. And uh, I slowly stopped going to school. And then my dad was like, are you not going to school? And I was like, uh, I'm training to be an MMA fighter. And You're was, still going to school. It's just a different kind of It's school. a different kind of education. I'm educating myself on self-defense. Yeah. Right? Survival of the fittest. Survival of the fittest. Um, so anyway, so I tell him that, and he flips out. You know, it, it took a while. Uh, it took up until probably this year for him to come around. What did he hope that you would become? <sighs> I just, I don't, he's one of those dads, he's the most loving person in the world. He's, he wants to support me in anything. Yeah. He doesn't want to see his daughter get hurt. So that was kind of scary. <laughs> that is a place to get hurt. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu, MMA. MMA. Yeah. <laughs> so he just wanted to see me pursue something. And he knew I was extra motivated. Everyone yeah. that knew me knew I was extremely motivated. But he just maybe thought my motives were in the wrong place. 
Um, so that was rough for a while. It was kind of like, you know, you don't feel like you're living up to your parents' expectations. Yeah. It's really hard. But in inside, you feel like... You know what you want to do. You know what you want to accomplish. Right. And you, I saw the end goal. Mm-hmm. I saw the Gina Carano. I saw being the next... You know, Gina got out of it pretty early. She got yeah. out of it when her stardom was just at its peak. So I saw being bigger than that, which now we have Ronda Rousey to prove that that's possible. I was going to say, she paved the way for so many of the women that are in UFC right now. Absolutely. I mean, you look at girls like Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, like, those are role models to me. Those yeah. are women that are strong and powerful, and they've made careers out of what they love doing. Um, so that was my path, and, and so I continued to pursue it. I ended up moving um, back to New York a couple years later. Um I produced a feature film and, and did some other stuff. I was always like a Jill of all trades. I, I am. I am. I did uh, stunt work for films. That's yeah. how I started from the MMA stunt work. Mm-hmm. And then after I did stunt work, they wanted me to do some guest spots on Burn Notice. I don't know if you've ever heard of it mm-hmm. on, on USA, USA Network. Yeah. And uh, Glades on A&E. I was on those shows for a little while. And then so I moved back to New York. Uh, was still training a little bit, but mostly focusing on producing films and stuff like that. Yeah. And then I was like, I met my girlfriend, Christina. And I was like, you want to move to L.A.? She always wanted to move to L.A. So I was like, let's just move to L.A. Yeah. Moved to L.A. And uh, I started training MMA full time. I was like, this is what I want to do. But I also pursued After Buzz and was hosting and stuff like that. And then I started my MMA career. And it was the best thing I've ever done. Did you have any other passions before MMA? Like, did you think that there was something that you wanted to do that was a dream job before you realized that that is something you could make a reality? Yeah, acting, probably. Okay. Yeah, I always wanted to, I always wanted to be the center of attention. I always wanted to be in front of the cameras. I like talking to people. Um, like, stuff that makes normal people nervous didn't make me nervous. And I felt that to be, like, a sign. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, well, then you should do it because other people get really nervous and it's fun for me. So that was kind of like a sign for me. So I I did, you know, acting a little bit. But once I found MMA, it was kind of like that was my main focus. Mm -hmm. And if acting came along with it or stunt work or whatever related to film and television... Hey, I'll take it. I would say the two things that combine both (laughs) acting and the physicality, stunt work and wrestling. Tell the people. (laughs) That's what I've been saying. I mean, it's literally the craziest thing. You live your life, you know, I I loved both of these things and Mm -hmm. and never saw the combination of the two coming together. Yeah. And never thought they had to come together. I thought I could do both, you know, separately. And then WWE comes along and I'm like, wait a second. I love sports. I love entertainment. I just literally fell into something that's the culmination of both of these. Yeah. How did I not know about this earlier? And I know that you didn't grow up watching wrestling, but you did watch it a little bit when you were starting to get into MMA and watching UFC. And then once you found out that you were going to be on Tough Enough, just studied your butt off. So what, I mean, how did you fall in love so quickly? Yeah, um, so I didn't grow up a wrestling fan, obviously, but I, I like anything that's extreme and anything that's entertaining. So when I heard about Tough Enough and yeah. decided I was going to try out, um, my competitive spirits took over and I was like, I need to know everybody's name, where they were born, what they did, and I really, really wanted to know. Yeah. Um, so I did a lot of homework. I watched so many videos. Um, my co-hosts on my After Buzz UFC show, Jay Tan and George Hermosa, are the biggest wrestling fans you could ever meet. <laughs> so all I had to do was sit down in a room with them for a couple hours and George pick their brains. George is literally an encyclopedia. He's an encyclopedia. He it's can tell ridiculous. you what happened at WrestleMania, you know, 10 years ago. The, who was there? Who main evented? Who was the first person out of the gate? I can't tell you what I ate for breakfast. No, neither I can know. I. <laughs> neither can I. He's a genius. Yeah. Um, so he was really 
a big part in helping me get ready for tough enough. And of course I couldn't do all that in a couple, a couple weeks, a couple months. So I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. Um, I know you've been watching a, a ton of wrestling docs recently. So yeah. what, what's one of your favorite? It's gotta be Paul Heyman's. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just Paul Heyman is such an inspiration to me. I think he's such a smart man. I don't look past the part. He's a hustler. I know he's a hustler. Um, You're a hustler, I'm too. I'm a hustler, too. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even. That's why I can't knock his hustle. Embrace it. Yeah. It's an East Coast thing, I think. You yeah. know? Um, just that drive and that mentality of do whatever you have to do, you know? And that's the kind of guy that he had a dream. He wanted something. He did everything he had to to make it happen. Yeah. Not to say that I would go to those depths and do it his way, but I respect it. And look at look at the masterpiece of a person he is now. Look what he's done, ECW, and now he's Brock Lesnar's, you know, manager. Mm-hmm. And it's the best duo in pro wrestling right now, in my opinion. I love it. When Paul Heyman walks out Brock Lesnar, I'm like, oh, stuff's going to happen. You know, they're just such a good duo, and that guy knows how to talk. When you see someone like a Brock Lesnar who has done UFC and wrestling, uh-huh. is that inspirational to you, or is it more inspirational the women um, who are in wrestling right now? That's a good question. Um, it is inspirational, Brock Lesnar crossing over and, and paving that path. Um, I see the big picture here. I really do. I think that I could be the first female MMA fighter in the WWE, and I think that I can make history with that. Uh, I think they want Ronda Rousey, but they can't have her right now. But I think once they're done with me, they're not going to need her. So. Do you think they'll ever get her for a one-off match? Maybe. I. It's Dana White's baby. Mm-hmm. He, if he risked her getting injured, he'd be stupid. Yeah. To be honest. Um, but that being said, I think she's probably likely to retire in the next decade, if not sooner. Maybe when she retires, it's a nice little retirement plan. <laughs> I mean, a decade's a long time. <laughs> Ten years? She's young. Yeah. She's young. She's 24, I think. 25. How, she's young. How long do MMA fighters usually... Uh, like, our career length? Yeah. Um, could be anywhere from... I know people that have been fighting for 10 years plus. Yeah. You know, 20 years. Um, it depends when you start. Yeah. Someone like Rhonda, she started when she was, what, 22, 23? She's got 15 years of fighting if she wanted to. Wow. I mean, depending on the injuries, the way she's fighting, she could fight for the next three decades. I know. 15-second sh- matches? <laughs> she takes no injuries. That is the way to do it. She mm-hmm. takes no injuries. Her face still looks the same as her first fight. You know what I mean? Like, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Since there are so many powerful, successful women in not just uh MMA, UFC. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, we're seeing Ronda Rousey, but we're also seeing in the media people like Amy Schumer, who are just girl bosses. Yeah. Is that something that's impacted you at all in what you want to accomplish? Yeah. Um, so everyone, like when people ask me, do I have idols? Like, do I idolize people? Like, and my answer is always no. Mm-hmm. I look up to people, but my inspiration is my family and my own self-motivation. I don't drink coffee because if I drank coffee, I'd be a, a mad woman. I have my own energy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need caffeine to get me going. I don't need s- super amounts of motivation. I just have it, yeah. you know, inside of me. So uh, people like Amy Schumer are doing amazing things for, for women, and I'm all about uh, girl power, yeah. of course. So Ronda Rousey is great for that. Gina Carano, all these women are great for that. Sasha Banks, Charlotte. Seriously. Um the you four horsewomen of NXT. Absolutely. I think that it's badass, and I always encourage girl power. Mm-hmm. Um, on my Twitter, like, when people tweet me, I'll, I go out of my way to answer the ones that are looking for advice or uh, looking for maybe power and confidence, because yeah. 
that's what I like to encourage. So yeah, absolutely. Girls like that, women like that inspire me for sure. And you yourself have been an inspiration to many people getting into it tough <laughs> enough. Well, you came out on national television and that is not something that I think people were expecting. And I know that you didn't even expect to do it. Yeah. Right after that, Jericho told me I looked bashful and excuse me. Nobody in their right mind that knows me would ever describe me as bashful. Yeah, no. So my, <laughs> my point is, is that that moment made me more nervous than anything I've ever done in my entire life. It made me look bashful. Uh, you know, and an hour, la- an hour earlier, Lita called me brash. You know, mm-hmm. that's just to show how much that moment took, uh, took me away from reality. And yeah. I was kind of like, oh shit, this is happening. Yeah. It was completely unexpected. It was the most nerve-wracking thing ever. I, like I said, I talked to my girlfriend before I left, and I was like, hey, if, if it comes up in conversation, do you want me to lie, or do you want me to say that yeah. we're together? You know, because we really weren't public before that. Had Christina come out at that point? No. Okay. No, she still wasn't out. I mean, her, I, <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. Her mom hasn't even seen the show. Like, What? She, yeah. I don't, I don't think she has, at least. Okay. So, like, she still really isn't out yet. I mean... Um, we were kind of just like, if people know, they know. If they don't know, they don't know. Um, my perspective on that's changed a little bit for myself because now I see why you should tell people and why you should be open yeah. about your relationship because you you speak to people that are also nervous about coming out and yeah. also worried about what people are going to think. And I tell them, screw it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you you have to be you. Just in general, yeah. People that are afraid of being their genuine selves. Absolutely. And that's a message, message that I think the women in NXT and WWE are getting across right now. Be yourself. You know, you have people from all walks of life. You have Paige, then you have the Bella Twins, and then you have Charlotte, you know, with her dad's legacy and all that pressure and stuff like that. So I think it's a really good platform to say be yourself because mm-hmm. we are, you know yeah. what I mean? As quirky and crazy and weird as we are, we're being ourselves for you. Yeah. And she especially mm-hmm. was so supportive to you the entire time while you were in Florida doing Tough Enough. Um, do you think that you could have gotten through that without a support system like that? Christina? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah no, definitely not. She, She's my biggest support. We've been together for like two and a half years now, mm-hmm. and we literally do everything together. Like we're we're by each other's side for everything. I support her in what she does. She supports me in what I do, and you know we're just a power couple. Yeah, you know she's she's fighting MMA now. She's taking her first fight in a couple months, and she's crazy. She's crazy. She's crazy. <laughs> she's a perfect example of a Jill of all trades. She can break dance. She can build a car from the ground up, and then go drifted around the corner like she drifts cars she's crazy she's crazy and then you see her in person she's the most beautiful yeah girl in the world and you'd be like that girl can't build a car oh she can build a car <laughs> and like i call i'm like hun like how do i change my blinker light like it's probably a really easy thing to do and she's like lift up the thing and i'm she like walks me through how to change my blinker yeah she just knows it that's awesome mm-hmm. she's amazing she's amazing um so i want to talk about your experience on tough enough mm-hmm. um a lot of people said you got eliminated too early, and I'm sure, obviously, you've had some time to think about it since then, yeah. but what was the, like, the thought process? What was the first thing you thought when they called your name and that you were eliminated? Well, my first thought when I got into the bottom three yeah. was I'm screwed. So you knew then because- They was, put me in yeah. the bottom three with ZZ and Sarah, Sarah. Lee, the fan favorite to mm-hmm. the show. I was like, oh, I'm done. 
is a wrap, but of course I didn't give up then because they were like, you have two minutes to go backstage and change into your wardrobe and do the walkout again. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, no big deal. This is really nerve wracking. Yeah. Uh, You know, live TV is always scary, let alone when you have to do something like that. And I was just like, out of your comfort zone. Yeah. I was like, I just have to nail this and (laughs) get saved by, you know, hopefully steal some Sara Lee and ZZ fans. Um, but no, when I got eliminated, I, I was devastated. Yeah. I was heartbroken. Uh, I'm a super competitive person and I do everything with a lot of passion. So that was like a knife to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, for the pure reason, I didn't think I deserved to be eliminated. Yeah. You know, I, I felt that I was one of the strongest female competitors, one of the strongest competitors on the show. And I thought that I had a lot to bring. But that being said, as soon as I woke up in my hotel the next morning, I was like, why are you sad right now? That was like a once in a lifetime experience, and now you just got to take it all and make it into something. Mm-hmm. And that's a what huge I've... opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I think a wise person, you know, takes it in and and figures out what to do with it next. Yeah. You know. So one of the criticisms that I think a lot of viewers had for the women, especially on Tough Enough, and even some women that are in WWE, is that. If they were cut from the show or cut from WWE, that they wouldn't continue to pursue wrestling elsewhere. And that's one of the things that I found really impressive with you, is that pretty much the second you got eliminated from the show, you signed up for (laughs) a wrestling school. You trained at Brian Kendrick's. Mm -hmm. What was the the motivation to do that? Yeah, as soon as I got off the show, I was like, oh, I'm coming back, baby. I was so... I was hurt that I got let go short, but I was like, you know what? This is the perfect opportunity for me to go actually learn how to wrestle. Because, mm-hmm. you know, on the show, you're, you're filming a lot, and you don't get that much wrestling in. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to go learn how to wrestle. I'm going to get back in there, and I'm going to kick some butt. Because, you know, most of the, the standard perspective that you're talking about, the hate, is on girls that come from modeling backgrounds and stuff like that, and they want to be a diva. Which, yeah. you know, who doesn't want to be a diva? It looks really cool. But um, me, it was kind of the opposite. Me, it was like, I, I'm a fighter. I want to get in the ring and wrestle. I just got to learn how to be the diva part. Yeah. So it was never like a question whether I could handle the wrestling part. I always knew as soon as I started watching wrestling that, oh my God, this could be so cool. I really want to do this. Um, so the second I got home, I emailed everybody I met at WD. I mean, everybody. <laughs> Billy Gunn, Lita, every contact I had acquired on Tough Enough. And I said, where do I go? Where do I start? What do I do? How do I get back? And Canyon, uh, he responded and said, you know, there's good training in South Florida or Southern California. And I ended up going with Brian Kendrick and Mm -hmm. it was the best move I've ever made. Yeah. Um, And he's also more recently, a lot of people probably know him as training Eva Marie. Yeah. So you guys, you didn't cross paths at all while you were there, No, I do see Eva. Yeah, yeah. I see Eva from time to time. Um... She doesn't go to the class, obviously. She yeah. does private with him. But, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I ran into her multiple times, and she's she's a sweetheart. And from what I hear from Brian, she's one of the hardest workers. Yeah. What is the your favorite move that you've learned so far? Oh, um, so we were working on finishers the yeah. other day, and I was working on a version of the Rainmaker, okay. which is a pretty cool finisher. Yeah. Um, Actually, my friend George Hermosa also gave me the idea to use that as my finisher. So I told Brian, and he's like, I think we could work on something like that. So we worked on it, and I was, and they were like, that looks sick. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, what else do I like doing? Um, that's got to feel like such a sense of accomplishment when you see something done and you finally are able to do it. 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm definitely still in the beginning stages. I've sh- wrestling, you never stop learning. Yeah. I mean, everyone you meet, they could teach you a thousand different moves that you've never heard of before. So it's one of those sports where you constantly evolve, but I like that. I like long-term goals. I like working on something and, and perfecting it and mastering it. So it's kind of a challenge for me, but yeah. it's an awesome challenge. One that I'm ready, you know, to take on. The Jersey Devil. <laughs> um, did you ever have any other nicknames when you were a kid? Uh, D, Dare, Dare Bear, like, you know, normal nicknames. Nothing embarrassing. Mm, I'm probably not going to tell you. Oh. Okay. <laughs> my, mom, my mom probably calls me ridiculous things. <laughs> I'm not even going to. No, she's probably like tweeting right now, like, I called you this! Uh, yeah, no. Uh, not really. Not really. Little D, stuff like that. Okay. Because I, I was actually. Uh, I was really, really skinny growing up, like, like, like so skinny the wind could blow me over. Um, so when I started doing MMA, I was like, oh, I'm getting big. I like this, you know. You have to muscle up. I had to muscle up a little bit. I just naturally did muscle up. Um, but I normally, like, when I'm not working out or anything, I walk around, like, really lanky. Um, so everyone would call me Little D. Aww. Little D. I was tall, but skinny. <laughs> but, yeah, go ahead. So I was going to say for, um, like, when you started training, you probably had to get into a different eating regimen. Um, do you have any vices as far as, like, food goes? So MMA, um, the, the eating regimen is this. You eat whatever you want until you have a fight coming up. This is what we all do. Don't let any MMA fighter tell you different. Okay. You eat whatever you want, right? You get nice and bulky yeah and then your coach goes you have a fight in two months and you go okay what do you weigh and usually you look at the scale and you're about 25 pounds over your fight weight and that's average 20 25 pounds and some of us walk around lower yeah um like me you know but and then you're like okay now now it's time to diet so then you do like a you just take out a high protein low carb so I'll eat a lot of meats. I eat mm-hmm. red meats. Some people's bodies process red meats better than white meats, vice versa. So you really need to know your body in order yeah. to know what's good for it. Um, my body processes red meats really well. So I would do a lot of red meats and veggies. That's it. And then I would cut out the potatoes, the rice, and all that uh, getting towards the fight. Then the last week, um, you the last month, you hype up on water, you know, two gallons a day, which seems like a lot, but when you're doing two-a-day exercises, two gallons goes down pretty well. Yeah. And then... Sweat it all out. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And then the week of your fight, you cut out the water. So, the day before your fight, the day before weigh-ins, you know, you have little to no water in your system, you get in the sauna, you dehydrate, you go weigh in, and then you stuff your face again. Yeah. That's kind of the routine. What is the one food that you think you could live off of for the rest of your life? Pizza. Or lasagna. Okay. Or pasta. So, carbs. <laughs> so, any carbohydrate. you're not supposed to eat before a fight. Oh, absolutely. I ask that because mine is cereal, and I ask everyone on the podcast, what's your favorite cereal? That's a really good one. Because mm-hmm, you can have, like... Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah. What's yours? That's my favorite! No! Yeah! Oh, my God, we're cereal buddies. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, the name of Kevin Undergaro's film. I realized that when I said that. Yeah. Bringing it all back. I know. We're so good. Um, but yeah, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is up there. That's my favorite. Uh-huh. Uh, Lucky Charms. It's up there. Honey Nut. Uh, Cheerios. Cheerios. And what about uh, the Frosted Cheerios? I like Frosted Cheerios. They're cool. What were you going to say? Frosted Flakes, good. Yeah, yeah okay. I have a ton of different ones, Ooh, yeah. but those are the, the top. What about those little French toast pieces we used to have? Do you remember I those? I never had those. I wasn't allowed to have sugary cereals when I was growing up. So oh, that's had, why you're a cereal I, I addict. Have, like, Honey Nut. Like Cheerios, and that was the sugariest. But that's the most you could have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're the best. 
know. It's like little pieces of French toast in your mouth. I think when I was like away from my mom and I could eat sugary cereals, like uh, you what is it, Apple Jacks or something like that? Apple Jacks, like, yeah. It would good. end up just scraping off the roof of my mouth because I would eat so much. But I'm glad that you said Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh, I feel like we have a different kind of connection now. Yeah. Um, So, this is a hypothetical. Okay. Would you rather want bubbles to come out of your eyeballs every time you cried, or purple smoke to come out of your butt every time you farted? Bubbles out of my eyeballs. Okay, and why? (laughs) Bubbles make people happy. And, like, you know, I don't cry... As much as <laughs> only when you get eliminated from Tough Enough. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Can you imagine people watching this right now saying she doesn't cry when the only time I was on TV they saw me cry twice? I take it back. I cry. I guess I cry. Okay. Yeah, bubbles. Yeah, that'd bubbles. be cool. You could pop them as they come. Yeah, and I feel like it would make you happy too. Yeah, like you couldn't cry. Well, yeah, yeah you, you couldn't cry. cry with bubbles crying coming yeah, out of your eyes. Yeah, exactly. no, I totally agree. But another hypothetical. Oh. Uh, I know that you haven't gone on a first date in a while because you have Christina, mm-hmm. but hypothetical, you're on a first date, you have a wedgie, do you pick it, and how do you go about it? Okay. Now, I have a bubble butt. <laughs> and I do. I'm just putting that out there. Not bubbles from your eyes. Not bubble bubbles from my butt. eyes. I have okay. a bubble butt, and I'm, <laughs> it's very prone to wedgies. Okay. So I, I have this issue, and I, I've, I have de-wedgified underwear. I'm just good at that. I, I know which ones to, to get now. Oh. That are just good for my butt. Which are the best ones? Like this, kind of like the silky ones okay. from Victoria's Secret, like the no-shows. Yeah. They do me good. Yeah. Okay. I'm wearing them right now. That was my next question. That, I was going to say. Debris, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, oh. moving forward, uh-huh. what advice do you have for people that may want to follow in your footsteps? Don't. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> That is probably the worst best advice I know, that I've I'm ever sorry. heard. Well, I mean, it was hard. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I absolutely encourage the path I took because although it was a really hard path and um, it took a while to get the people in my life to support what I do, but I think proving people wrong and, and doing what you want to do regardless of what other people think is the most gratifying feeling you could ever have. Yeah. You know, I'm my parents are my biggest supporters now. My family, you know, you call Dad, now that he's come around. <laughs> he, he came to my MMA fight and I knocked the girl out and he was like he was on the phone like, My daughter just kicked this girl's ass. Like he was bragging and like now he still does and now you know, he's the most loving person ever. Um I think but just doing what you want to do in life, despite the obstacles, despite people discouraging you from doing it is the most gratifying feeling make your own path you know a lot of people um might find it easier to to settle for what they were born with or what they think is normal for them you know go above and beyond yeah really push yourself to do something that's uncomfortable because i honestly think when you're out of your comfort zone it's the only time you're doing something right definitely and then last question, mm-hmm. I want to know, if you had a time machine and you could go five years in the future, what ideally would you see? Okay, I'm painting a picture here. So you'd see uh, a person by the name of the Jersey Devil in in the WWE, five years you said, mm-hmm. on the main roster. Okay. Um, incorporating MMA into into WWE for the first time in the female division and really uh, just take taking over the the Divas division. Awesome. 
Well, this brings us to our shameless plug section. So, <laughs> anything you want to promote, Twitter, Instagram, Periscope, all that stuff. I, I just want to say, Kathy Keller, you're awesome. And <laughs> I, you're awesome. No, Thanks for no coming you're in. awesome. <laughs> uh, I was so excited when you called me to do this. Of course. I would do anything <laughs> to sit here and talk with you. It was awesome. Um, you can find me at Tough Diary on all social media. And, uh, you know, keep your TV screens warm because you might see me there soon. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I knew I liked her. I am personally a huge fan of any woman who is making waves in the industry, whether it's in hosting, acting, being a comedian, and wrestling. It's a really incredible time for girl bosses. Amy Schumer, Mindy Kaling, Tina Fey, Ronda Rousey, my boss and mentor, Maria Menounos, and now I'm adding it to the list. Daria Baronado. I genuinely believe that Daria is going to accomplish big things. She's one of those people that is so positive all the time, and it's just this infectious energy. But people like that with big dreams, big goals, who are just adamant about pursuing them, it's I mean, she's going to be huge, and I have no doubt in my mind that she's going to make history. So excited for her and for her journey. Again, follow her on all the social medias. You can follow me on Twitter at Katherine Kelly and on Instagram at Kathy Kelly. I'm also on Periscope and Snapchat as well. If you guys have 30 seconds, rate the show five stars on iTunes because it really helps me out and allows me to continue to bring you this free show and it helps other people find the show. Thank you to everyone who has rated and commented in the past. Love you guys so much and you have no idea how much it means to me. And as always, huge thank you to everyone at AfterBuzz who helped me produce this podcast. Kevin Undergaro, Phil Speedtech, Stephen Lemieux, Mark Donica, and most of all, thanks to you guys. Make sure to subscribe and I will be back with a brand new episode of Chatting with Kathy next week. Bye! <laughs>